the COVID-19 pandemic exposed the fragility of just-in-time supply chains. The aftermath of a global pandemic, which has affected supply chains across the world. Global supply chains are near breaking point. The pandemic showed their weaknesses and geopolitical tensions like Ukraine have exacerbated the issue. Solving supply chain woes is a global problem, not a local one. And yet the biggest problem facing our world is climate change. And supply chains have a big part to play in the solution. Supply chain sustainability is a significant challenge. Building a net zero supply chain is a huge complexity challenge. I'm Tom Parker, and welcome to the Next Five podcast, brought to you by the FT Partner Studio. In this series, we ask industry experts about how their world will change in the next five years and the impact it will have on our day to day. In this episode, we're talking about sustainable supply chains, and I'll be speaking to experts about the acute pressures on today's supply chains and how we can reach a net zero supply future. Before we tackle the sustainability issue, it's important to understand the web of problems facing supply chains. The last few years have been tough. The pandemic crippled global supply chains and the Ukraine conflict has brought them once again to their knees. If anything, they both highlighted the complex global and interconnected nature of the contemporary supply chain. The challenges that we're facing today are unprecedented. This is Abe Eshkenazi, CEO of the Association for Supply Chain Management. We've dealt with challenges in the past. We've had environmental issues, we've had geopolitical issues, we've had wars, we've had a number of different disruptions. The challenge that we're facing right now is that they're all occurring at the same time. So it's not a function of addressing one disruption that we can address, whether through a supply issue or a demand shift issue. We're dealing with geopolitical issues. We're dealing with tariffs, historic tariff issues. We're dealing with environmental challenges. We're still addressing the outcomes or the, you know, the shortages that we addressed in the beginning part of the pandemic. Prior to the pandemic, we had an extremely efficient supply chain. Just-in-time was the hallmark for almost every supply chain. High variability, reasonable cost, rapid delivery. Unfortunately, it did mask a lot of the challenges inherent in the supply chains in terms of where organizations are focusing their efforts today. Resiliency and agility right now are at the top of the priorities for organizations. And that's the ability to respond to changes, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a geopolitical issue, whether it's a climate change issue. Given all the pressures on supply chains that you've mentioned, Abe, where does sustainability fit in? Supply chain sustainability is a significant challenge, but unfortunately, the focus has been reduced because of the focus on acute issues, whether it's on PPE or semiconductors or, you know, fuel. And we see a disruption, for example, in Ukraine on getting food out. It's going to have an impact on food availability in the Middle East, which will have impact on fuel availability in the rest of the world. And so you can connect the dots on sustainability and supply chain by almost everything that occurs within supply chain because it's a network. And so therefore, we can't say, well, the chip issue is isolated from the food issue. No, it's not. They're connected. Unfortunately, sustainability has taken a backseat. And this has been a challenge for us for quite a while is that while we're dealing with the acute issues, we may be taking our eye off the ball on the systemic issues, specifically on sustainability. It's true. We can't take our eye off the ball. 
implementation of sustainability agendas within an organization, while still a challenge, is easier to control, navigate, adapt, and account for. It gets more attention, more eyeballs. But a company's supply chain creates a far greater social and environmental cost than its own operations. More than 80% of greenhouse gas emissions and more than 90% of the impact on air, land, water, biodiversity, and geological resources comes from outside the company. So we need to look further, and herein lies the problem. If you're looking at the, the greenhouse gas protocol in, in 2001... This is Arco Birkenbosch, VP of Innovation and Development at Smurfit Kappa, one of the leading providers of paper-based packaging in the world, with operations in over 30 countries. Basically, companies are always talking, when they talk about net zero, they talk about three scopes. The first scope is what they do themselves, so what comes out of the chimney. The second scope is the sustainability impact, what you get from the grid. So how the local or the country is supplying the grid. And the third scope, the third scope is what the supply chain does. So your customers and your suppliers on your net zero ambitions. And if you look at the worldwide data for more than 90%, so for more than 90%, the supply chain is the biggest impact. So not what they do themselves, not what they get from the grid, but the supply chain. Well, combining that with the enormous complexity, that means that building a net zero supply chain is a huge complexity challenge. Since you have so many suppliers, you have so many customers, you have so many dynamics, just imagine to get all your suppliers aligned to follow the same protocols, to go to the same measurement methods, to think about the same way to discuss waste. Yeah, that, that is a huge challenge. If the majority of your emissions are done by your supplier, you have to decarbonize the electricity or you have to put windmills or solar panels. But the biggest challenge is how am I going to man manage my suppliers and my supply chain to also become carbon neutral. So I think that is realized and the complexity of that is realized. And that's why we see more and more discussions around that, how to step up from simple target setting, like to say, I want all my suppliers to be net zero in 2050, to, and how are we going to make this real? So I think the biggest supply chain challenge we have now on this planet, but especially in Europe, is getting away from target setting and start implementing. Abe, what are your thoughts on this? This is one of the areas that I think have been underrepresented for a number of years, and that is specifically the impact of supply chain on sustainability or the sustainability on supply chains. Through a number of studies that have been done, there's estimates of up to 60% of scope three emissions are part of the supply chains. And yet, when we take a look at the companies that are the major manufacturers as well as the smaller manufacturers in terms of who's paying attention to those scope three emissions, have they set the targets? Are they reporting out on the impact of the scope three? Less than 50% of established targets and less than 45% report. And yet, when we take a look at the supply chain and the number of players that are in the supply chain beyond tier one to tier two and tier three, where most of the disruption occurred and most of the impact on sustainability occurs, we have a significant lack of visibility and transparency into those players in the marketplace. So the sustainability issue has risen to top issue for almost every organization, but yet 
We still lack consistency in terms of what sustainability means to any particular industry, whether we're talking about electronics or we're talking about pharma. Very different measurements in terms of sustainability. Further, if we can't define what sustainability is, how are we going to hold organizations accountable? The European Union is working on plans for a corporate sustainability due diligence directive. The proposal, that looks set to be finalised in 2023, would require EU businesses with more than 500 employees and a global turnover of €150 million to create a strategy to manage environmental standards across their supply chains, essentially ensuring that their business model is compatible with the Paris Agreement. But with the complexity of supply chains, proper due diligence requires better digital tools to mine and manage that data. Fundamentally, organisations need to understand the sustainability impact of their supply chain decision-making at a clarity never required before. I think the big challenge that we see right now is what's quote-unquote scope three emissions reporting. This is Stanton Thomas, Senior Vice President of Sustainability Solutions at O9 Solutions, a leading enterprise AI software platform. But sustainability requires traceability that concept of understanding exactly what's happening in your supply chain because the consumers want to know, investors want to know, that requires you probe your supply chain to a much greater depth than your enterprise systems currently will allow you to do, right? So how do you do that? Well, it's a tricky problem, but it's about probing beyond your tier one to look at the tier two, tier three, and that type of thing. Some of that data has been studied extensively by third-party organizations. You kind of, you can build out a notional picture of what your supply chain looks like. We're talking about essentially developing a logical picture of your physical supply chain. And that's what a digital twin enables you to do. A digital twin is a digital replica of a physical supply chain. Essentially, it recreates an organization's real supply chain in a virtual world. This allows companies to model scenarios, stress test options, work out policy implications, and fundamentally understand how decisions and disruptions will impact their network. Digital Twin comes from essentially the product engineering world. You develop a digital design of your product. You embody that picture with various attributes, dimensions, capabilities, performance capabilities. So the digital twin is a modeling framework that allows you to do that. And that allows you to to begin to understand what your supply chain really looks like at, at at a product level as well as kind of overall. If you're in the coffee business, that supply chain has been studied. And so you can model that supply chain. But in other cases, for instance, durable goods, high tech equipment, these supply chains are incredibly deep. And so they can go four, five, six levels deep. For instance, batteries, the cobalt that's required for battery technology. Some of that goes very, very deep. And some of the regions where the raw material is extracted in processes, those regions tend to be very opaque in terms of information sharing. AI and machine learning can be applied very effectively. And to essentially minimize the amount of human interaction with the data flows, machine learning can actually be incorporated to make a judgment. And then because AI can be driven with machine learning capabilities, you can actually improve the computer's ability to make those judgments over time. And this is really, really key in terms of the kind of data volumes that we're talking about acquiring from our suppliers. Without this type of AI-driven capabilities, it will take companies 
far greater resources and far greater time if it has to be all done manually in the process. And this is one of the biggest pain points that we're seeing in the marketplace is that it is being managed manually today and it's just untenable. Okay, your thoughts. Transparency is a key thing for supply chains. And how can data help to do that? Well, first of all, we're not short of opportunities. There's so many opportunities to make the supply chain more sustainable. You can change the fuel, the the truckload, the waste, etc. Data can help you to choose the right priorities. Data can help you to, at the beginning, think, what can I do today? What can I do tomorrow? And what do I have to do in a couple of years? So that data plays a big role. Secondly, with data, you get insights much faster. So nowadays, I mean, everybody knows Tesla that's developing the self-driving car. Well, the same things you can do with data, with artificial intelligence, you can much faster develop all kinds of scenarios by machine learning. Secondly, with data, you can simulate, you can digitally experiment. You can think, okay, what will be the sustainability impact if I drive 10 small trucks instead of five big trucks? What will be the sustainability impact if I load my trucks half, but drive much more often? What will be the sustainability impact if I go electric, but I drive slower? Doing these experiments physically, almost impossible. With data and simulations, I can do that very fast. And last but not least, it's all about conflicting solutions, even in one company. I mean, I think the most trivial example is that the sales guy wants all the products in the warehouse so he can sell it directly to the customer. The financial guy wants an empty warehouse instead a full warehouse is working capital. Well, with data and simulations, you can say, where's the correct balance? Where's the correct balance by big trucks driving once per week, but then I have a warehouse with a sustainability impact or every day a small truck. So data can help you, given all the complexity, to look at the, the optimal. So in this way, with scenarios, with ex- digital experiments, with insights, we can much better, much more flexible, and much more reliable, develop the roadmap to net zero. What can we do today? What should we do tomorrow? And how should we develop the plans for the long-term future? And Abe, how important is transparency? Transparency and visibility has risen to the top in almost every organization, included with advanced automation, machine learning, as well as a, you know AI. There's a huge push right now for technology to enable the transparency and the visibility within their supply chains, hopefully to get better, not only data, but early warnings about disruptions within the supply chain that would have downstream effects. Right now, the trust factor that is necessary within the data isn't at the appropriate level. And so therefore, we need to be able to trust the information that we have, and we need to be able to trust the reporting out that we have. If we do not get consistent definition of sustainability, it's going to be extremely hard to hold organizations accountable for what they indicate is critical to them. Everybody within the supply chain needs to understand that impacting their supply chains to be much more sustainable is a long-term success issue, not a short-term issue. You don't do sustainability, you live sustainably. And I think that's part of the challenge is that oftentimes it's seen as a checkbox Oh, we, you know, we did our due diligence and we reported out and that's the end of it, as opposed to saying it impacts our innovation, it impacts our product, it impacts the packaging, it impacts the logistics, 
the warehousing, the recovery, the returns, every aspect of supply chain can be improved through sustainability focused areas. And collectively, uh, I think packaging is one of the areas that's really the unsung hero of sustainable supply chains. We can do so much better on the front end so that it reduces the challenge and the impact on the back end. The global e-commerce packaging market was valued at 27 billion US dollars in 2020 and is expected to reach 62 billion by 2026. And unfortunately, there's a lot of waste. In 2020, the total volume of packaging waste generated in the EU was estimated at 79 million tonnes. That's 177 kilograms per inhabitant. Sustainable packaging is an important element of the solution for two reasons. First, and I think maybe the most trivial one that everybody knows, why do I pack a product? In essence, I pack a product to bundle and protect it. In essence, if you take very general numbers, the packaging itself is only 3 or 4% of the sustainability impact of the supply chain. So every time I ship a bottle of shampoo or an apple or a pack of rice to the shop and it's damaged, the rice is gone, the shampoo is spilled, I spend a lot of money, I waste a lot of sustainable value. So by making packaging fit for purpose, by making packaging so flexible and agile that it will always maximize the load of my warehouse, the load of my truck, the load of my ship, I reduce the environmental load of the supply chain a lot. If you look at the plans that the European Union now have for their new packaging and packaging waste directive, they want to bring legal limits on the amount of space, empty space in e-commerce packaging. So that will become the law will tell you what the efficiency of your pack is. The one and only constant in a supply chain the one and only thing that doesn't change owner from the packing line till the retail shelf is the pack. The truck is by somebody different. The pallet is by somebody different. The people handling it is by somebody different. The warehouse it's stored is somebody different. The pack is the only thing that the producer buys the pack. He puts the packed product in it and it goes and it is in his ownership, in his control until the shelf. So theoretically, and maybe also practically, that means that that should have a lot of potential in driving the efficiency of a supply chain. Since if you want to change the dimensions of the pack, you don't have to discuss with 200 companies. You only have to discuss with one. If you want to make the pack stronger or weaker or red or green or more printed or less printed, you don't have to talk to 200 different companies. You only have to talk to one. So that makes packaging a very potentially a very strong enabler of the sustainability in the supply chain. So let's look ahead to the next five years. What can we expect? Innovation is the way out. But I think what makes innovation in the coming five years even more exciting is that the time pressure is huge. I mean, if you look at my world packaging, every packaging can be recycled. But will the packaging be recycled in practice? And can we make leap changes that in the coming five years? We can make a supply chain carbon neutral, but can we do that in the coming five years? To do that, I'm convinced, and that makes innovation even more exciting than it has ever been, is that on top of innovation, experimentation becomes huge. So if you look in the future, but the complexity will only increase. 
we look back, talk about all these changes and new sales channels and e-commerce. People are experimenting with drone delivery, uh, big trucks to the boundary of the city and the small trucks going inside. Of course, maybe there will be drone delivery in the future, but that doesn't mean that truck delivery will disappear. So people should always remember that every new innovation at this moment is not replacing something, but replacing a part of something. So it's adding complexity. But also a lot of opportunities. I think at least the sense of urgency is undiscussable. I mean, we are implementing energy reduction programs faster than ever. We are starting to use digital insights and digital connection due to COVID faster than ever. We are experimenting more than ever. You see that also in consumer behavior, in choices people make. I see it on my kids. I see it on their friends. It's not only about price. It's not only about how they're enjoying life. It's also about what's the impact on the planet they live. And I think that's more and more accepted with consumers that it's simply not possible to say, I want the same amount. I want the same price. I want the same convenience but then in a more sustainable solution. So experimentation, more complexity, but also a bigger and bigger group of consumers that are happy to make compromises to create more sustainable solutions. Abe, your thoughts? Ultimately, it does come down to the consumer in terms of the decisions they make. Consumers still expect just-in-time, rapid delivery, reasonable cost, but yet consumers still drive supply chains. And companies respond to consumers' expectations. And when the consumer decides that they care about sustainability and they're only participate with those organizations that hold themselves accountable, then you'll see a much more active response to sustainability. Unfortunately, the focus has been much more on the economic than it has been on the environmental and the ethical. And especially in today's turbulent environment, one of the areas that we are particularly concerned about is just in case. And that is what happens during the next disruption. Who's going to be responsible for the next demand surge? This is where we think public, private, and associations need to come together and address this because it's a global issue, not a local issue. And one of the areas that we fell down on in the pandemic is that we address the pandemic as a local issue as opposed to a global issue. And so almost every region across the globe addressed it differently. And when you're dealing with a global issue on a local basis, you get exactly what we got, a very disjointed response. And so let's extend that to the global supply chain. If we address and if we accept that we live in a global supply chain community, that means that you need to get all players on the same page. Right now, the focus is on collaboration, coordination, and communication. I think we're going to see a much greater focus on data a much greater focus on talent to be able to discern what the data is telling them. And then finally, transparency and visibility into your extended system, not only into your vendors, but into your customers as well. And so transparency and visibility goes both ways, understanding the demand side so that you can address it with the supply side with your vendors and your vendor's vendor. And so quite a bit of focus right now on supply chain optimization and digital transformation to enable that data collection and transparency and visibility being a, the hallmark right now of effective, sustainable supply chains. And finally, Stanton. I think it's going to be a combination of the relationships that you have with your suppliers, as well as the development of third-party data sources 
that enable you to build a more coherent and accurate picture of your supply chain. So technology is important, digital transformation is important, but also kind of the business culture and the willingness and, and partnership mentality to be able to, to share data uh, fluidly within this environment. I personally believe we don't really have any choice in terms of reducing our footprint relative to the products and services that we produce and or consume. We have IPCC telling us that we have a limited amount of time to make some drastic reductions. And so I think it's going to require a number of technology pillars in order to do so. And it's going to require our commitment. And, I, you know, if we, if we don't get it right, I think the alternative is pretty drastic. I mean, we're going to be impacting not only the supply side of the supply chain, but also the demand side, because a lot of the markets that we sell into are going to be disrupted by climate-related issues. So we have to get this problem under control. And digital technology is a big part of it. And we're now beginning to stress the limits of an ecological system that we operate in. We have no choice but to get this right. And I think that if you have skills and talents and abilities to operate in any aspect of the solution, I think this is a good place to be working. It's true. We're stressing the limits. Sustainable supply demands our attention. But it's still a difficult road ahead, given the current pressures on global supply, even though the business and environmental case is clear. Yes, supply chains need to become more resilient to shocks, demand needs to be understood, and current fires put out. But sustainability can't be forgotten about. It needs to be at the centre of everything. If anything, it's a part of the solution to global shocks and saves our planet in the process. If you have the skills, talents and abilities to be a part of the solution, you have to do it. Companies like Smurfit Kappa are playing their role in the front end by constantly experimenting on sustainable packaging solutions. Organisations like ACSM are calling for and supporting change, and technologies like O9 exist to help us map our supply chains to be more sustainable. Luckily, other major players are doing their bit too. Walmart, the largest retailer in the US, launched Project Gigaton in 2017. Its aim is to remove one gigaton of greenhouse gas emissions from their supply chain by 2030. To give context, that's the equivalent of taking 211 million passenger cars off the road for a year. We also need consumer buy-in. And yet we're still buying. Today, the e-commerce market is valued at $3.3 trillion, an estimated to grow to $5.5 trillion in 2026. We have a choice. Quick and cheap will cost in other ways. So we need to think before we ship, package and purchase. The pieces of the puzzle are there. We just need to put them together quicker. Our planet doesn't have a digital twin. There's no repackaging. We have no choice but to get it right.